and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hey, Path 11 Podcast listeners, I was wondering if you have checked out our Patreon page yet. If not, you can go to path11podcast.com and click on the Patreon button. And for just a dollar, one dollar donation, you can have access to some private things that we are putting up on the Patreon page, like my MBT experience that I took in Tennessee with Tom Campbell. I did a an audio journal for about the four days explaining what had happened to me during my binaural beat session. It was amazing, impacted my life, changed my life, but we are only going to allow our Patreon supporters access to the four days of my journal entry. And it is a Food for Thought Friday, so that is where you can find it. You can donate just a dollar to listen to it. If you like the content that we have up on Patreon, you can continue to keep your subscription for $1 a month. Otherwise, you can cancel it at any time. So head on over to path11podcast.com and click on the button that says Patreon. I was wondering if you guys heard or actually have been over to our website or YouTube channel to see that we just launched a new web series called Conversations on the Path. It's awesome. I get to sit down with everyday people who are finally connected and knowing their purpose and trying to make changes in the world, trying to uplift consciousness and bring healing to people. We are going to introduce you to people that you probably have never even heard about, amazing projects, amazing things that these everyday people just like you and me are doing in the world to help educate others. We have a few episodes that are out now. One is on CBD oil. Another one is on um, dowsing. We have another episode which is talking about the plastic straw movement and how we are changing the world and helping to heal the ocean with earth last straw. And we also have a great interview that's going to be coming out soon on peaceful cities where we have people who are meditating over high crime areas and reducing the reduction of crime. So that's what these episodes are like on Conversations on the Path. If you haven't already, check them out. I think you're going to love them. I have a quick announcement before we get to our guest today on the Path 11 podcast. And I wanted to remind you that you can head on over to our website, path11productions.com, and you're going to see Afterlife Awareness Conference. I'd like you to click on that link. And I want you to know that we now have a membership to the directory of all the videos from this live stream event that we filmed back in November of 2018. There were some amazing speakers at this conference, which include William Buhlman from the Monroe Institute, Suzanne Northrup and Thomas John, who were amazing psychic mediums. You get a chance to see them reading the audience and the people validating what they were saying. Another one of my favorites was Suzanne Geisman, who is also a medium and intuitive counselor and told a fantastic account and story of a soul that had passed away, but left all of these clues and came back to communicate with people. Um, Monica Williams Murphy, she is a doctor and and had a great presentation about conscious dying in the clinical setting. Terry Daniel and Linda Fitch also had amazing uh, workshops that they presented as well. So I'd like you guys to head on over path11productions.com and click on Afterlife Conference. Check out and see all the videos that we have available to you for this membership that we have going on. 
And now on to our show. everyone. We have a great show for you today. I'm pretty excited about this guest. I would like to introduce to you Mark Pitstick. He is an author, master's clinical psychologist, holistic chiropractic physician, frequent media guest, and webinar workshop teacher. He directs the Soul Phone Foundation, co-founded with Dr. Gary Schwartz, online and worldwide, Greater Reality Living Groups, and is a board member for Helping Parents Heal. Dr. Pitstick can help you know and show, no matter what is going on around you, that your earthly experience is a totally safe, meaningful, and magnificent adventure and miss forever. Mark, welcome to our show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes. So many of our listeners um, who have actually caught up on all of the episodes will be familiar with one of the past guests that we had on, uh, Suzanne Northrup, who is a psychic medium, and we actually got a chance to meet her in person um, at the Afterlife Awareness Conference. And she gave us a great um, story about her experience in working with Dr. Gary Schwartz. And I know that we're going to go into speaking about the Soul Phone Foundation, um, but I think it's really cool when, as you know, a podcaster, we get a chance to begin this web, if you will, and, you know, be introduced to one person here, and then that leads us to this person here, and then this person, and then they're all connected. So I was really excited um, to have you as a guest here today. Um, I'd also like, if, if you wouldn't mind starting, um, maybe just giving our listeners a little overview of the tremendous work that you have done. Um, I, you have a very, very long um bio and you have done so much work in the world, but just give them a little taste of, you know, what your path has been and how it's led you up to where you are today. Sure. I think some of the most uh, important evidence to share is that there's some uh, multiple independent sources of evidence that I never totally forgot um, where we come from uh, be- when I came to Earth. The first piece of evidence was when I was six years old. My parents were showing me a beautiful sunset, and I told them it reminded me of God. <clears throat> and I'm, you know, I'm getting teared up 60 years later talking about it. Uh, they only told me about that 20 years later when I was in theology school. And I was brought up a Lutheran. It was always God the Father this and God the Father that. <clears throat> so there's really no reason why I would have associated at that young age uh, the the supreme with a beautiful sunset unless indeed I had some uh, remembrance. I didn't develop total spiritual amnesia as many people do. And over the years, uh, about every 20 years, I get a uh, independent verification of that from a psychic medium or a person who sees auras or energy, etc., who says, wow, we don't get many of you in these parts. And and they invariably say something like, I'm a uh, teaching soul who doesn't come to earth very often, uh, but when people like me do, they have a huge mission to share. Well, I can believe that. I felt like a stranger, a strange land as a child. And, and it turns out many people who are more evolved souls feel like that when they're kids. You just, you know, like you have trouble fitting in. You almost have to learn how to be a good earthling because human ways seem so foreign in, in a number of ways. Uh, but my 
trajectory on this path really took off at age 19 when I first started working uh, in hospitals as a respiratory therapist part-time. I was in pre-med studies and theology school for the six years I worked as a respiratory therapist. Well, after a year of doing basic stuff, they spotted I was fairly sharp and trained me then to do, and this is the early 1970s, to do procedures only physicians can do now, arterial blood gas punctures, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, putting the breathing tube down into the lungs called intubation, et cetera. And so I uh, usually work night shift on weekends and typically in the small hospital where I work, uh, it would be an ER physician and me and the nurses throughout the hospital. So I was just about every shift with one or more people who were dying or as they died. And seeing all that at such a young age, including children, because we had a pediatric ward there, just brought me to my knees. Um, you know, just pretty much uh, blew up everything I had been taught because my uh, religious upbringing was that God was all-knowing, all-loving, and all-caring. If that's the case, why did little children get run over by trucks or uh, abused to death by a, a mother's boyfriend? And so I pretty much threw everything I believed out the window and sought out for myself to find out the answers one way or the other. I didn't know if ideas like afterlife or God fell into the category of a Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or not, but I wanted to know what, what game were you playing here you know, on this during this earthly experience. So I set out to achieve a holistic healthcare training and went to theology school, took all the pastoral counseling, biblical studies, as you mentioned, to your master's in clinical psychology and worked in mental health centers for several years. And then a doctorate in chiropractic of all things because it was and still is the only physician level training that recognizes the importance of body, mind, and spirit and addresses that. And so then for the last 33 years, working with tens of thousands of people in private practice, doing workshops, I've hosted two different radio shows, my books, etc., and sharing the evidence that I uh, have gained along the way that clearly shows life continues after bodily death, all the good news that accompanies that knowledge and how we can fine tune ourselves so that we can do what we came here to do, do handle life's inevitable challenges and enjoy the journey. And you also um, wrote the book, The 11 Questions, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Life, Death, and Afterlife. Yes, that came as a, a result of a radio show I did for a year called Ask the Soul Doctors. And I, I was blessed to have people like Raymond Moody and Anita Morjani, Carolyn Mays, Dr. Gary Schwartz, and others, uh, and ask them the same 11 questions and shared my answers as well. Who am I? Why am I here? What happens after I, after I die? Is there really a higher power? If so, uh, why is there all this suffering? Why do children die? What happens to people who die from suicide, et cetera? And uh, so those um, interviews, by the way, can be listened to for free on my website, soulproof.com. At the top tab, it says radio shows, and you can hear all of our answers. Important stuff. I look forward to the day when children are taught these basics um, well, it, we should know at the beginning of life instead of hopefully at the end. 
Yeah. And one of the interesting things with your introduction there, and you were talking about, you know, how you kind of move through your path, but also knowing that maybe you weren't of the earth, you know, you felt very, very different being here. It still shows and speaks to the fact that even if you have that all knowing, and you are a highly evolved spirit that comes back to teach, there's still a lot of work for the soul to do. It wasn't like you just kind of knew this, but didn't have to, you know, do anything about it. I mean, you went through extensive experience and, and trainings and, you know, almost like this thirst and quest for knowledge to be able to teach people. Sure. And I think we all do eventually. Sometimes it takes facing death or going through a, a tragedy and, and these various stimuli that trigger us to ask the big questions of life are collectively called spiritually transformative experiences or STEs. It has its own acronym like NDEs, near-death experiences, and ADCs, after-death contacts. Uh, but you're right, being even partly enlightened doesn't make this life totally easy, but it lightens it. Same way if I work with so many bereaved parents, and knowing that they'll see their children again, knowing that death is not an end, doesn't take away all their grief and sadness, but it lightens it. And that's a huge deal when you know that when a loved one passes, it's not a goodbye, it's a see you later. Right. And so yeah. I'd like to move into a little bit more of the Soul Phone Foundation, because um, I know that you're directing that and you're supporting the efforts of uh, Gary Schwartz. And so tell us a little bit about what this is and how, you know, it's it's working with an evidence-based technology for spirit communication. I mean, that's exciting. That, sure. that just sounds like fabulous. And I bet a lot of our listeners may not have even have heard of this yet. And I really just want to get to know more about it because I'm curious myself. Good. Well, first of all, the soul phone is a term for uh, a number of anticipated devices uh, that will allow, quote, spirit communication. Dr. Schwartz and I have worked really hard over the last few years. He invited me to... Uh, join him and be the the face or the uh, mouthpiece for his organization because he's a serious scientist uh, yale and harvard professor now at the university of arizona and he's involved in so much research he doesn't have the time to really write the articles and do the interviews and so on um so the the sole phone is uh, first device is the soul switch, and we actually uh, recently achieved what's called a stage two prototype, and it's fairly complex, and your listeners can visit uh, the site soulphone.org to learn more. But in a nutshell, the soul switch is like a, a switch on the wall. It's a binary indicator, a yes or no. And so far, um, Dr. Schwartz and his team, and he works with a team of electrical engineers, optical physicists, software programmers, evidential mediums like Suzanne Northrup and others <clears throat> to uh, do this work. Uh, and so they're now able to ask questions for which the answer would be yes or no and receive 90% accurate answers using tests, for example, the personal identification test. If they're working with Nikola Tessa, for example, they would ask, uh, and this is all computer assisted and some of the research has been done when there's no one in the laboratory at all. Uh, is your first name Nicola? Answer should be yes. Is your last name Pittstick? Answer should be no, etc. And again, they're getting a 90% accuracy with these. Uh, the next series of tests is called cognitive understanding. And in that they show a series of photographs. And again, 
they ask these questions. They show a picture of a bird, and these questions are posed both verbally and printed on the top of the photograph. Is this a picture of a bird? Yes. Then they show a picture of a cat. Is this a picture of a bird? Should be no. And again, 90% accuracy. So this demonstrates at a very high level of certainty that those who have passed on are still alive. They're still able and willing to communicate. They still have, <clears throat> they have retained uh, memory of human language and what items are and so on. You know, it's not like they're just in a whole different setting and forget everything that happened on Earth. And uh, Dr. Schwartz is, and he and I just spoke recently this morning. Uh, he is now working on something that we hope will be ready by January, which will use these photos to allow clients to have visits with their, quote, departed loved ones. For example, if you wanted to visit with your grandmother, uh, if she's passed, you would say, <clears throat> um, first, there would be the personal identification test. You know, is your first name Mary or whatever? Were you born in this city? And after 20 questions, 10, which should be yes, 10, which should be no, you have a good idea that this person is who, uh, who you think it is. Then secondly, show a series of photos. Is this a photo of me, April, when I was a little girl? Yes. And then show a picture of me. Is this a picture of me when I was a little girl? Hopefully your grandma's going to say no, and et cetera. So this uh, is the first level of providing comforting, inspiring uh, evidence and rudimentary communication. Now, when the soul, uh, when the stage three soul switch device is ready, that will allow uh, creation of what's called a soul keyboard. If you look at a keyboard, that's this assemblage of 43 switches. When you press on an L, that's a yes for an L and a no for everything else. And so Dr. Schwartz thinks it'll be a relatively simple engineering feat to create a what we're calling a soul keyboard. It'll be about four foot wide and three foot deep uh, that will allow us then to communicate with those who have moved on via texting and typing. Uh, the third anticipated device is called Soul Voice. That'd be just like what we're doing now with a phone or Skype with audio only. And then fourth, Soul Video, which would be like FaceTime, Skype, or Zoom, seeing and hearing. And eventually, Dr. Schwartz anticipates that he just came back from a, a Michael Jackson uh, tribute shows in Las Vegas and, and the huge holographic images of Michael. And uh, Dr. Schwartz anticipates that in the future, and it could be 10 years, uh, there will be a full-size holographic images of our dear ones who are in another part of forever and will be able to visit that closely. Huh. <clears throat> yeah, so that's the Soul Phone. The Soul Phone Foundation then we started. It's a nonprofit um, to raise funds for the Soul Phone Research because, as you can imagine, the staffing and the equipment is ultra expensive, uh, even though the University of Arizona is providing offices and, and all kinds of assistance. Um, and then also to educate people, and that's why we have the um, website, soulphone.org. Now, shortly after starting working together, Dr. Schwartz and I realized the paradigm shift that will occur, just the huge impact. I don't know if you saw a movie, it was on Netflix a couple years ago with Robert Redford, and it was um, a consideration of what would happen if a scientist proved once and for all that 
no one really died. There is an afterlife. And they took such a horribly negative uh, slant on that and came up with lots of people would commit suicide. We hope that's not the case, but we're very clear that there will be a revolution in all areas of you know, health care, um, p- politics, um, <clears throat> law, etc., how we handle near death, um, end of this life issues, and so on. And so we wrote the book called Greater Reality Living, which came out earlier this year. And then uh, I and a team, we have 25 different volunteers now on the foundation who uh, have helped me put together greaterrealityliving.com, a wonderful website. We're getting ready to launch groups early next year. We have 80 people from 14 countries who want to start Greater Reality Living groups. Uh, but that's a lot. What's your next question? Okay, I have a couple. <laughs> so as I'm hearing you describe each of these different things and as a way to reach out and connect to our past loved ones, uh, when I was younger, we used to use a Ouija board <laughs> um, right. to cut. Kind of, this almost uh, sounds like or seems like to me this is like the virtual Ouija board in some ways. Yeah, a Ouija board uh, developed by scientists at a prestigious university uh, over (laughs) a 10-year period. Ouija board on steroids and more. Yeah. So, okay, so I have some consciousness questions. Let's start with the soul switch. Okay, so um, I'm assuming that, let's say, if I want to communicate with my grandmother, I'm setting an intention beforehand. So my intention is I'd like to connect with Adeline. Um, So you're actually stating out loud or saying your intent of who it is in the spirit realm that you want to connect with. Is that how you start? No, not in the beginning. And and by the way, I I mentioned the devices. Uh, The anticipation is that eventually the soul phone will be an app that people can use on any smart device to enable those different sorts of interactions. But in the beginning, it will require an evidential medium like Suzanne Northrup. There are about 30 that Dr. Schwartz has um, done double and even triple blind studies with at his lab and shown that they are rock stars. You know how in any endeavor, whether it's dance or painting or sports, they're just the cream of the crop, the, the superstars. Well, he has identified 30 of these in the mediumistic uh, realm. And so one of these will be needed in the beginning to identify, for example, reach your grandmother, say, are you able and willing to meet with April on this date at this time? Uh, it also will require a sole operator, probably too young to remember the days when using a telephone required an operator, a switchboard operator. Well, yeah. in the beginning, it will require a person, and there are numerous, uh, quote, deceased uh, people who are helping from the other side and ha- are willing to do that to help the person who's passed work with the technology, you know, how to do this. Now, that's just in the beginning. Eventually, all that will be necessary. But here's one fact we'd like to share with people. Uh, Alexander Graham Bell received the patent for the first phone in 1876. When I was a kid, let's say 1960, you know, it's still this big clunky device, five numbers, private lines, etc., yeah, it was a hundred and where's my math here? It was 84 years later, um, and it was still at that step. And it took another 43 years before the first big mobile fo- phones came about. So it's going to take a little time for these uh, various devices to evolve. 
Got you. And, you know, when I'm, I'm on the website right now, when I'm looking at the soul switch, like it looks like that there would be a light, um, you know, kind of going on and off to answer the questions. But my first thought was, how do we know that the person that's asking the question, that it isn't their consciousness um, affecting the switch to answer yes or no, because they know the answers to the questions that they're asking? Mm, actually, the the person who has, quote, passed on and their consciousness are synonymous. In other words, it is their consciousness. You, another way to say that is it's their awareness, their mind, their soul, their spirit. So did I understand your question correctly? I, th <clears throat> I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just wondering if, if the person that is trying to connect with the person who has passed and they're there and asking these questions and that they know the answers to, ah. are they innately the ones that are um, able to make that like go on and off? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we call observer related uh, effects. And uh, Dr. Schwartz and his team have already ruled that possibility out by doing, as I mentioned, um, experiments when no one is in the building. And these are all set up time by a computer. So we get the same sorts of results in the research, whether there's physical or human researchers present or not. Same way with clients. In other words, um, you won't be uh, touching anything and um, <clears throat> the you know, your quote departed loved ones will be answering in some cases questions that you don't know it's kind of like a visit to a medium sometimes a medium will tell the subjects something they don't know they will uh, differ with the subjects understanding and later on it's, it's that's found out to be true uh, so that's been uh, factored in but good for you for even thinking that ahead Okay, thanks. And um, another question that I have is kind of maybe with um, some of the new explanations of what's going on is that we really live in a virtual reality. Um, and I don't know if you subscribe um, to this theory or not. I'm thinking in particular of um, someone that I've interviewed. I've um, We had him in our documentaries, but Thomas Campbell, who was a former NASA nuclear physicist, wrote his own book on my big toe, um, meaning his theory of everything. And he really goes into the concept that we are living in a virtual reality. And at some of his workshops, I've you know asked some questions that I've heard him say before, that when people pass on, um, he looks at it in terms of more of like a database, not this soul that's just kind of lingering out there and still alive per se. You know, I mean, it's kind of hard when we're using metaphors to describe this, but mm -hmm. he does agree and say that you can tap into the quote unquote database of your grandmother anytime you want because it's consciousness. But it doesn't necessarily mean that your departed loved one is hanging out somewhere in the ethers <laughs> waiting for you to ask it questions and, you know, that it's just out there, but that the soul itself continues to have work to do, continues to evolve, but that, mm -hmm. that we do have the capacity to tap into uh, them being more like a, a program on a computer, and then we can pull up that program, and then we can begin to interact with it. Yeah, what a mind you have. Good job. You should be doing a show like this. Well, first of all, um, language is very important. So we try to keep language as basic as possible. So what we're saying, yeah, I mentioned earlier that we have worked a lot on the language. So the term we actually use are 
post-material persons, or PMP is the acronym that we hope to introduce into the general lexicon, uh, because the word soul, spirit are, are certainly outdated and primarily associated with three major religions. So I, we uh, certainly understand the idea of systems theory, and really, ultimately, although most people can't understand it, what is really going on is energy and information manifesting in different ways depending on the observer's perspective. You know, whether you look at from string theory, uh, virtual reality, yeah, or in a religious way, it's a dance of energy. It's God breathing in and out as Hindus described thousands of years ago. Uh, so, there, but there's a difference between energy and information that's quote, dead, just stored. Uh, and Dr. Schwartz uses the, uh, the analogy of uh, the video of a person that's on a DVD. Okay, that's not the person themselves, that's stored memories of the person, stored images of the person, uh, but it's not alive. Uh, but his contention based on all of his research, he's been working on these things for 40 years, the information and energy of, of everything is alive, eternal, and evolving. And one piece of evidence for that is, uh, we mentioned these 30 different evidential mediums, they have on many occasions independently reported to, uh, independently means uh, they haven't put their heads together. They're reporting this and not knowing that other mediums are saying the same thing. Uh, for example, on the, the A team, the team of distinguished luminaries who are through the mediums assisting their soul phone research, um, they will say, Albert Einstein keeps coming to me and he's dressed just like you see him in photos. You know, he's got his tweed wool jacket and his pipe and his crazy hair. And he'll hear from he'll hear that from as many as 10 different mediums. Well, there's some pretty good evidence that that's not just information stored in the Kashuk records. That's Albert. And by the way, part of the you, you saw on the website, the um, what's called the photon transmitter, and it, it allows the, the yes or no aspect of that is those in spirit, post-material persons, will put their hand in the beam, know how fast it takes to go from one point to the other. Well, if people in spirit put their hand in the beam, then it slows it down. So we'd say, if the answer to the following question is yes, put your hand in the beam. If it's no, don't do anything. And so the question always arises when we describe that, wait a minute, people have died, have hands? Yeah, you can call it the energetic body, astral body, there's different names for it, um, but they can be just as physical as we and perhaps more so. Wow, okay. Now, my next question is going to play more of a devil's advocate, and are there ethics around playing with consciousness? Um and I'll expand a little bit on what my mind, where my mind is going with this as having a background as a mental health therapist. Let me think about the mom that is grieving of her child that died, say, at two years old. And now we have this ability to communicate. And, you know, the mom may have gone through therapy, may have not, but, you know, hears about this and then begins to tap into the consciousness of the two-year-old child over and over and over and over again. And even though, you know, consciousness is eternal and it could be like that database that we're tapping into, 
how do we know if we're messing anything up in the evolution of that one consciousness or I, I don't know. I have like tons of questions. I, I know I'm throwing like sure, a, a lot sure. at you, but I'm just thinking like, if let's just say this is a computer program of, of some sort, but we're, we're re- running and running a program over and over and over. Um, you know, I don't know. Is that okay? Is it safe? Um, are there other implications, let's say to people who are grieving that does that help their grief? Does it move them forward? Does it keep them stuck? Does it keep them obsessed, addicted, you know? Excuse me. How about yeah. if we deal with one question? <laughs> yes. I lost you about four questions ago. I know. Yeah, let's go back to the first one, which you know, is it safe or wise? And the indications are that involvement with us on Earth uh, will not interfere with their evolution or their their business. If it would, they just won't answer. We can, uh, Carolyn Mays first introduced me to the concept of as on earth, so in heaven. The idea that the quote afterlife is not so dissimilar from here on earth. So what do you do when somebody calls you and you don't want to talk to them for whatever reason? <laughs> Just don't answer. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Well, they can do the same thing. But in addition, those who have dropped their bodies, um, there's good indication that they can bilocate, um, perhaps be in more than in 10 or 20 or more places at the same time. And so they can communicate with us, visit with us without affecting their so agenda their priorities in the next phase of forever. Uh, so what's your next question in that series? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the question before that is like the ethics behind it, right? So like, you know, most most doctors, you know, take that oath, do no harm, you know, and things of that. Do you, do you feel that um, there is no such thing as really creating any harm as we are trying to connect with this type of consciousness? The uh, These are excellent questions. And by the way, if you have any extra energy interest, I invite you to contact me and uh, I would love to uh, have this sort of input on the team, especially as we get ready next year to get the word out more. Uh, first of all, there's always a question about the possibility of malicious or capricious entities coming through. And that's one reason for the layers of protection, soul operator, the medium involved, the personal identification tests, and so on, so that we're very sure who we're dealing with. Secondly, as far as fear, that's one reason why Dr. Schwartz has taken so long to unveil this. We'll just be um, allowing the first um, individual sessions next year because he wanted to cross every T and dot every I. He, he wants to provide hope, but not baseless hope. He wants to make sure everything has been done. He has had a team, you talk about the devil's advocate, I think they're actually called that the devil's advocate team for him, a team of top scientists. <laughs> and they, they request not to be identified because these are scientists who are involved in prestigious universities and institutes who are already doing um, research that is already unconventional enough and they don't want to be tied to this right now. Um, but none of them has made with funny flaws in his methodology in his approach. Yeah. Okay. And then I think my other rambling questions on with that is kind of, um, I guess more based in the physical reality of the individual that is still alive and 
how these humans are using this either to advance uh, the grieving process, helping it, or, you know, the other fear could be then does the individual become too dependent, too reliant. Uh, and that happens just with um, psychic mediums as well, right? I mean, this, this isn't a, a new thing that would happen with something that is providing somebody a lot of comfort. That, But sometimes humans, we can get uh, so used to <clears throat> that and um, rely on that to be able to connect with our loved ones. So I was sure. And that, and that happens with people on earth with family members who are still on earth, you know, so you may have a relative who calls you every day and wants to whine and complain. So, um, you know, there's just going to be the whole spectrum, but keep in mind, no one has the only people who have interacted with the devices to this point are the experimenters themselves and a couple of very close people like me. Um, but again, that'll start next year. As far as uh, what it does to the physical person already, uh, because I'm in touch with so many bereaved parents, already has provided a huge amount of comfort because the soul phone technology has added to the breadth and depth of scientific evidence that clearly shows life continues after bodily death. Secondly, it has given a lot of people hope. I mean, they just, you know, break down in tears when I tell them about it because they're like, thank God, you know, even if it's a couple years from now, it, knowing that they'll be able to communicate in some way with their child instead of waiting maybe 40 years until they physically die, you know, that's a huge difference. Right. And I could also see it as a springboard, um, you know, of really showing people that this really is possible, right? They use this technology, they have their quote unquote proof now, right? As instead of like a bird flying by or something that they associate with the deceased person is their quote unquote sign, you know, they actually see this, then they, it might be enough for them to just learn that their communication with their deceased loved one really can continue without even having to use these devices, which a lot of people try to, we try to teach people. That. Okay, th- there you go again. You, <laughs> <laughs> you really have a good mind about these things. You're exactly right. We anticipate, well, well. first of all, let me go back. I'm reading a book by Edgar Mitchell, the Apollo 14 astronaut who started the uh, Noetic Science Institute for Noetic Sciences. And he reported that whenever people like Yuri Geller, and this is back in the 60s, would demonstrate the ability of his mind to bend spoons on Johnny Carson, Jack Parr shows the way back. Invariably, the Institute would, in the next week, get numerous phone calls from mothers around the country whose children were doing that. They saw the show. Nobody told them they weren't not able to be able to do it, so they just did it. Uh, and so we expect the same sort of thing to happen as people realize, drop the fear, open their minds, start tapping into the 99%, 99.9% of reality that we call the greater reality that most of us don't perceive with our senses. Then, as you say, more and more people will be able to communicate with in various ways Uh, on their own without the devices. Yeah. The other thing that um, I'm thinking about is I'm pondering this whole evolution of these worlds, you know, or these realities. It almost feels to me like there's some sort of veil lifting because 
we know, like you and I are sitting here and we're having this conversation. There's uh, so many authors, people that we have on our show that are writing about this, right? So it's being kind of filtered into our intellect, right? Okay, I have an intellectual understanding. There's another reality. I can communicate with it. But when I also think about the evolution of consciousness, it's almost like we're beginning to watch with this type of, of um, technology that you have that eventually it may not be separate at all or feel separate. Like we talk about, okay, I'm in a physical body and there's a spirit world. But when we're starting to integrate the technology and showing people how to do it and they're interacting, I feel like those realities really will become one, even though they are one now, but they won't feel as separate. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. As you say, there is, um, it is all one. Many people come back from their death experience. And I'm talking about documented their death experiences in which the person accurately perceived events that occurred inside the resuscitation room on top of outside the hospital while they're clinically dead. When they come back and they say, we each are one with the one and part of source energy. And so that's the truth. We're interconnected. Uh, Albert Einstein mentioned that. He said that the, the belief that we are separate is an optical delusion. And I mentioned before the, the greater reality. So it's a scientific fact that our five senses, as magnificent as they are, detect much less than 1% of reality. Uh, one metaphor is that if at all that exists in our world, and as we mentioned earlier, abs in absolute terms, that is really energy and information. But if all that existed in our world were the height of the Empire State Building, the portion the average human can perceive would be the height of a coat of paint. And so, uh, as you say, it's quite likely that the advent of this technology will then open people's minds a bit, help that filtration valve that we had. I had dinner with Evan Alexander earlier this year, and we were talking about how 95% of what the central nervous system does is to inhibit sensory input. Uh, it was evolutionary thousands of years ago for survival, but now it's not very adaptive. And that's the importance of centering practices, meditation, and other ways to just open that filtration valve up a little bit, get us to perceive more of what is, and then act upon it and receive all the benefits. And uh, certainly seeing this technology, talking to others who have gone through it, uh, should help relax that that fear, which I think is part of the uh, filtration. Right. Wow. How exciting. <laughs> it's pretty yes. phenomenal, you know. Um, geez. And just to you know, like imagine, you know, for you, it's like here you, you're on like the leading edge of this stuff. It's got to be exciting and overwhelming at times to be like, holy cow, you know, <laughs> to put it all together. Well, Maybe. Yeah, I'm very thankful for my team. As I mentioned, uh, we have everything from a, an attorney, a CPA, marketing people, IT people, social media. And it's really been miraculous how they've come along. Um, you know, throughout my life, I don't talk about it much, but I've had my share of, of uh, tough times. You know, uh, broken relationships, divorce, financial losses. Um, I lost a lot of my hearing when I was young. I've been bald since I'm in my 20s, you know, di different things. That's just part of being human. I'm not complaining, but, you know, um, that's just what we all go through. And at going through all of this work, being involved with this helps 
make all of that worthwhile. Um, you know, some people say when they uh, approach uh, physical death, they can look back their lives and see that it is unfolded in a exquisite, meaningful way. And, and I can certainly see that now working at such a high level that I wouldn't change a thing. You know, if all those, quote, bad things that happened hadn't happened, I may not be doing what I'm able to do now. And I certainly wouldn't have the compassion, empathy I have now. Exactly. And so there's a message for everyone uh, listening. Yeah, I would agree. And can you let our listeners know how they can help if, you know, after hearing this, they're saying, gosh, yeah, I'd love to donate. Maybe I'll volunteer. Um, but how can people get involved with the Soul Phone Foundation? Yeah, first of all, to educate yourself uh, about the evidence. And I mentioned my website, soulproof.com, which has many free articles that address every uh, question that people ask, you know, when, uh, when a loved one is dying, when your pet has died, what's the scientific and clinical evidence that death is not an end? So you need to educate yourself a bit. I mentioned the radio shows also on soulproof.com and my free newsletter. Uh, next would be to visit the, the soulphone.org site and to learn more about this soul phone and really wrap your head around like, oh my God, this is really real. There's substantial science behind it. Uh, and there's a free newsletter for that. Then I mentioned the greater reality living aspect of it. So again, greater reality is the term we use for the fullness of creation. Uh, the vastness of reality that most of us don't perceive. And when we can glimpse even a little more of that, life makes so much more sense. So I coined the term greater reality living to invite people to consider how would you live and treat yourself and others if you really knew that death is not an end, that you see your loved ones again. You can communicate with them now and all the other long list of benefits that go along with this. So at the website, greaterrealityliving.com, then, uh, is discussion of these groups. So one way people can help is to form a group in their area. These groups uh, exist for five main reasons. An acronym for these five is LIVES. The L stands for learn the evidence. The I stands for internalize this good news because it's important to have a deep internalized knowing that we're forever beings, not just a superficial intellectual knowing that may fall apart when things get tough. The V in the LIVES acronym stands for vitalize yourself in body, mind, and spirit. And we mentioned the importance of that earlier. E, enjoy the many benefits. And then S, serve others and yourself and make our world a better place. Uh, so if that calls to any of the listeners, um, you can uh, contact us. We have facilitator managers. We have, we have a project manager who uh, is a London School of Business graduate who worked for multi-billion dollar companies. And now she's working with our team for free. And overseeing a lot of this. So it's it's really a well set up uh, organization. It's going to be a lot of fun, a chance to meet kindred spirits. And, and I'll be providing the, the training online. So people who start groups will get to spend many hours with me and ask questions and so on. And then, as you mentioned, yeah, donations, we have a membership, various levels of membership. And for each level of membership, um, donating, 
there are gifts, all sorts of gifts. And as the uh, donation increases, it includes things like two sessions with authentic mediums like Suzanne Northrup, um, a visit to the lab, dinner with Dr. Schwartz, and being in the Q4 and experiencing the, the first soul phone device included in that. Wow. Excellent. You know, as you were going over um, the greater reality living and, you know, the lives and what it all stands for, I'm thinking, gosh, is there a way to integrate this with hospice? And, you know, this would be a great thing to bring to like the, um, you know, social worker conferences or, you know, therapists that are working with grieving people because, you know, they also have those skills to be able to facilitate groups also in a very therapeutic way. And, you know, this just, it's great. It's wonderful. Okay, I'm begging you now, April. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You actually mentioned something I hadn't thought of. We had already thought about contacting existing groups like Unity Churches and Death Cafe and um, International Association of Near-Death Studies. But I don't think anybody has really thought of connecting with uh, caregiving groups, certainly hospice, and, and sharing this great news. You know, And I think this is what uh, Jesus and other great teachers were trying to teach before um, their message was concretized and twisted by the powers that be. You know, this is the great news that sets us free when we realize we don't die. We're one with Creator. We're here to enjoy life, love one another, serve one another. You know, that's when we're living heaven, whether we're here or in the hereafter. Right. And then truly heaven does become, you know, on earth, as they say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, Mark, this was awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this interview. It's definitely has my mind going in 20 different directions. Um, and you, you answered my questions, uh, very eloquently, even though I did a rapid fire there, um, for a second, <laughs> but, um, it was great. It was great. I hope our listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. And, um, yeah, I'd love to connect with you offline and see how else, uh, I could help. Yeah. Well, again, kudos to you April following and the obvious depth of your caring, searching, and serving others. Impressive. Thanks for listening to the Path 11 podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, I'd like you to do so because we are going to start putting some content over there that is only for our Patreon subscribers. You can get content for as little as donating a dollar a month, and it could just be a one-time donation. We have other freebies over there that you can get depending upon how much you would like to donate. And again, it could be a one-time donation, or you can continue to keep your subscription on a monthly basis at that donation level, but I just put my MBT immersive experience, which was a four-day four day intensive meditation training in Tennessee with physicist Tom Campbell. I was listening to binaural beats, going to altered states of consciousness, having out-of-body experiences and life-changing experiences that I was able to bring back uh, for myself, for my clients, for my friends. That was just out of this world. So if you would like to listen to that, 
I'd like you to head on over to path11podcast.com. You're going to see an orange button that says Patreon. Become a Patreon today and you can have access to that podcast. And I would like to remind you to head on over to path11productions.com and check out the membership that we have for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We have over 25 hours of footage with amazing speakers like William Buhlman, Thomas John, Terry Daniel, Suzanne Geisman, Suzanne Northrup, Linda Fitch, uh, Austin Wells, just a few people uh, to name off that were amazing. These workshops are just so valuable. So I think that you would really enjoy it. It's also a great thing to think about to maybe give the gift to somebody who is struggling with grief. If you are looking for resources, this is a great conference to send people to to check out. And thanks again for listening today. Thank you.